Bum 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 bum. Hey, it's Matthew George. This thing is called digging into distancing, and it's a little offshoot of our regular digging into Deutsch podcast. Think of it as sort of a low fidelity. You can probably tell from that theme music, and much shorter version of what we normally do. Here's the deal: we're going to learn about what and how folks at Deutsch are doing during the current COVID nineteen crisis. We'll talk to them about what they're inspired by, what they're frustrated by, and the habits and behaviors they've incorporated into their lives to make it through each day. So let's just get into it. Let's see who we're talking with today. So what's happening? Are we going to talk about the fact that you moved to a closet, or we're going to pretend it's totally normal? No, it's just, listen. <laughs> it's relatively speaking, it's normal. <laughs> I just no, wanted this, to know if I was supposed to not notice. No, I was going to mention this. I no, I, I, it muffles the sound a bit. So it's, got it. I got this sad little chair. <laughs> You're just like, as you were talking, you were sliding into like the back of your closet and you didn't comment on it. And I don't think it could go uncommented on. <laughs> so I know it's just like ridiculous. And yeah, I know. Well, you know, it's funny. I saw a guy, I was reading about, I'm like, how do I do this from home? And like, I don't know, for some, I was looking up a few like technical things and I saw this little video of it and a guy was doing it under a blanket. And I said, oh, okay. You know, maybe the closet will work. So why don't we start? My name is Jamie Maltash. I'm an executive vice president, group account director in the account management department at Deutsch. I've been with the agency for over 20 years now. I am at home in Plainview, New York, which is on Long Island, right on the Nassau Suffolk border. And I'm home with my wife, who's a speech pathologist, and three children, a 10-year-old and twin seven-year-olds. Uh, the oldest is a girl and then boy-girl twins. So you've got, uh, you're actually the first person I've spoken to who's actually got grade school-age kids in the house. How has that been in terms of just general management and general chaos, if you will? <laughs> So I would say from a family stability happiness, um, we're doing amazing. And the kids have been really well behaved. If anything, for all of us, it's been more family time together, more outdoor time. From an education perspective, it's been a messy disaster and we're sort of muddling our way through and we're trying to make that separation. How are our kids' mental health? How is everybody doing and feeling? Are we getting outside? Are we letting sort of Corona get to us and then separate? How much are we learning and how are we doing in school? Yeah. Now, have you been helping your kids with what I'll call schoolwork versus homework? See, now I have to debate if my wife's going to hear this or not. What I would okay. say is my 10-year-old is super independent. Um, she has a school-issued Chromebook. She also has a mirror one that we had bought her at home. She is doing all of her schoolwork herself with very little coordination. For the twin seven-year-olds, they didn't have digital devices School was nice enough to loan us Chromebooks, but it's been a huge learning curve for them because they had basically never used a computer. They'd used Chromebook a token amount in school, but it's right. been an education. And then my wife, I will say, schools don't use computers nearly the way normal businesses do. And so there's been a huge learning curve for her to learn Google Classroom and just the digital way of meeting and conversing. And she's a speech pathologist, so she has to do a lot of one-on-one -on -one meetings, a lot of testing, a lot of coordination and just figuring out the technology. So I, I am very much the IT director of my household right now. Take a look around you just at your home desk setup. And is there anything that you've, you're like, wow, I'm really proud of the way I did that. And are there other things that have just like gone completely sideways for you? By far my favorite home office purchase, which I'm going to confess to on this podcast, is my <laughs> green screen chair setup. And so I bought a small 
circular green screen, which mounts on a chair. You show me. It's like this big. It looks like a, the bottom of a children's pool. It's by far the silliest thing I purchased for, on Amazon. You know, I was pretty early to panicking about Corona. And so when you go on camera, it fills the screen and it helps the camera identify you to do virtual backgrounds. And I will spare you my run of 20 or so virtual backgrounds, but that's by far my favorite home Wow. So you actually have a technical setup to make your virtual backgrounds better. Yeah, we're, I was finding pretty early on, I'll I'll leave him nameless, but a very senior client at J and J was the the first to show me virtual backgrounds on zoom. And I don't often lose a technology arms race to my clients yeah. and he was already playing with the fun backgrounds and stuff. So I got on the sites to make my own backgrounds and then I got a better green screen to make it show up better. And that's, I feel like it's part of how we're communicating with our clients right now. And I think my biggest observation of this is that there's been so much humanization and such a decrease in the formality of communication. Mm. Everybody's got kids or a wife or a dog or something happening in their background. I think it's just a little bit more real how we're talking to each other. And I think the Zoom background thing just adds a playful bit to it. So I'm loving it. Just for your information, my son, who's a seventh and eighth grade teacher, has been telling me about his teaching in Zoom. And he said all the seventh and eighth graders go completely nuts with the virtual background. So I'm not sure what that says about you exactly, but <laughs> I'm just saying there's, there's some sort of connection there. And I'll just leave it at that. Um, is there anything, is there, have you become with, uh, obsessed with any particular snack foods during this? Uh, well, my 10-year-old is stress baking. We have been buying her ever more elaborate ingredients for her baking, and I eat whatever she makes. The best of those was a chocolate chip cookie cake with four sections with candy bars melted in the middle. So there was a Kit Kat section, there was a Reese's Pieces section, a Twix, and a Hershey bar section. Mm. That was my runaway favorite snack. So we've made her make that twice, and we're campaigning for one more this week. That sounds delicious. It's a little troubling that you remember it that precisely. <laughs> <laughs> we loved it. It was. We were sort of shocked. She did not bake before Corona. She was not allowed to really use the stove. And if anything, it was like very parent guided. Right. So sort of out of nowhere, because we're both working from home, she has like full independent run of the kitchen. Right. And it's kind of shocking it's successful because all of this is made from scratch. Like, <laughs> Yeah, home, uh, right. home safety is like out the window now, right? A hundred percent. Is there anything that you feel has been really helpful to you during this period? And similarly, is there anything that kind of you found actually really harmful? Yeah, we've made family bike rides a thing. And so when we started, none of my three kids could ride a two-wheeler. So we owned bikes for each of them. My 10-year-old had theoretically learned to ride a two-wheeler, but never done it with any great success or any great consistency. And the two seven-year-olds had never gotten up. We ended up taking all the training wheels off, the the little bikes, teaching the 10-year-old to ride the big bike. And we've been going between five and 10-mile rides almost every day. Wow. We're blessed. We live right by a bike trail, the Bethpage bike trail that runs all the way from the North Shore to the South Shore. And it's all a paved bike trail. And so we've gone all the way from my, my house to Bethpage State Park and back. And so that's been sort of our salvation. Okay. Are you looking at any areas of your house any appliances in your house or any anything in your house, really, and going, Jesus Christ, I can't believe the abuse that part of the house takes or that thing takes on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I mean, for us, it's going to sound absurd, but it's our kitchen and specifically our plates. Um, We are people that would eat home some of our meals some of the days. Either me or my wife very often did not eat breakfast in the house. 
no one in our family would eat lunch in our house and dinner probably two or three nights a week would be ours. And so to suddenly go, so we're doing something like 19, 20 meals a week in our kitchen. Right. And it just feels like it's seen from a, my wife's joke is I swear to God, I unload the dishwasher three times a day. You live at exit what on LIE or is it the LIE? 46. And what's your, what's your normal commuting time, Jamie? Uh, probably about 50 minutes. Okay. Is that time that you feel you've put to good use or have you kind of filled it up with nonsense? No, I think we've put it to good use. I mean, for, for me, a lot of that is um, making relatively elaborate breakfasts, um, uh-huh. you know, scrambled eggs with salmon and onions, you know, and some days I attempt omelets. This morning I poached a group of eggs, you know, and did poached eggs on toast. And at night, it's literally translating to about an hour bike ride with my kids. Like whenever yeah. I have my last meeting, we've literally been going for either a 30 minute jot around our neighborhood or an hour plus ride down on right. the bike trail almost every night. And so that's a direct trade um, with my commute. I will say I kind of miss the reading and podcast listening time because uh-huh. that's what I did on the, the two hours effectively of commute time. Okay. You, just a couple more questions, Jamie. Uh, first one, have you been compulsively staring out the window at anything or anyone? I don't. I don't. I think that I spend that compulsive stare at the window time on Twitter, (laughs) (laughs) refreshing my Twitter feed. It doesn't help that my home office is not optimized just yet for an external view. What I literally see is the back of of a green hedge in front of my window that was meant to give privacy and right. so the hedge extends above my head so i can see the sky and the treetops but right. i can't see the street unless i stand up yeah now that hedge is your personal prison it sounds like <laughs> yeah, so. so last question uh, a little bit of a projection exercise imagine like we're 20 years down the road and you're let's say you're telling someone who didn't live through this time about this period in our history. And you know what happened? There was a virus. Everybody had to be sequestered, social distancing, all the stuff we're going through now. Are there things that you think you'll really remember about this time that'll be sort of first and foremost in your mind? I I think we'll remember a family tradition on the bicycle. I think we'll remember the moment uh, my daughter Haley learned to cook uh, Uh because she's branched out from baking and really wants to be a part of family dinners now. And then I think we'll remember just missing our friends. You know, I'm a very digital person. I'm comfortable being online. I own a million devices. But I think it's really hammered home how much in-person contact matters. You know, we're making a habit of dear friends of ours live two and a half blocks away. And I would stay on every other bike ride. We stop by their house just to wave. You know know what I mean? Mm. They don't always come outside. They do the same to us. We don't always come outside. But just how important physical contact and seeing somebody and having the in-person conversation, I think is the biggest thing that I've learned in this because I can talk to anyone and everyone, you you know what I mean? And everyone's got Zoom or FaceTime or something and it's just not the same. And so I think this in a lot of ways, that's what I'm going to remember, how important face-to-face is. But then I hope my kids remember it as a time where we started to family bike rides. I think I can really feel my three kids getting closer together. They were at a moment where the twins were separated for the first time in school this year and you know the older ones in a different school because she's in middle school in our area and so there's something really nice about them having sort of forced family bonding and and forced to be with each other and it's been fun to watch the different groupings and interactions yeah terrific well that's a lovely answer and even lovelier memories well listen jamie thanks very much for doing this thanks for taking time out of your afternoon really appreciate it and we'll see you soon hopefully sooner than we all think but we'll see about that 
Thank you. I hope everyone listening can keep calm and carry on. We'll get through okay. this like everything else. Thanks, man. We'll be talking to you. Bye-bye. Thank you, sir. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. And thanks to Roger Bova for the logo design on the podcast tile. And additional thanks to Vonda Lepage and Daniela Morrison for all their help getting this up and running and out there into the world. We'll see you next time. A little audio asterisk here. The views presented in this podcast are those of the individuals recorded on the interview and not those of Deutsch Inc. So now you know that.